This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time, but probably not the last given our conversations, is my good pal Jordan from the band The Cult Sounds. Jordan, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be on. So, I gotta ask you. Yeah. The band, if people leave out the the, is that like overly informal with you or are you insistent on the the? <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up actually because it's been a point of contention in oh, the yeah. band to <laughs> keep the, the to keep the the because every now and then we'll get some asshole who says, oh, I'm disappointed this isn't about the, the cult, you know, oh. the band. The, or they'll say, uh, are you guys a cult, uh, like a the cult uh, tribute band? And we're like, no, we're not a fucking the cult tribute band. There's 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 two. It's it's there's been a lot of contention. So we considered changing it to cult sounds, but we like the acronym TCS too much to fucking yeah. ditch it. I, I got to admit, man, I'm 50 50 on it, because when I refer to you half the time, it's the cult sounds and half the time it's just cult sounds and i honestly i I don't know if it's my blood sugar levels or what i have no idea why but yeah there are a lot worse bands yeah there are so many worse bands you could be associated with than the cult though right she sells sanctuary he's talking about her vagina (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's i mean i like the cult i personally i actually don't like the cult as much as i like the band that preceded it uh southern death cult which is a much better name i think that that's in- inarguable right yeah yeah but then there's also Firewoman. huh if you that's true that's if true. you've ever bedded a redhead you know what the fire <laughs> part's about you know what i'm saying <laughs> I'm married to one but, uh, who will no, slap yeah, me if she ever listens to this episode. <laughs> a lot of our fans, you know, they, they, it depends on how casual and conversation it is. It's either the cult sounds or just people say, yeah, cult sounds. It's like AFI. I yep. they call them, oh, a fire inside or AFI, you know, so <laughs> please whatever. a fire inside with my father. <laughs> but there, there were so many acronyms for AFI before that EP came out. I remember because oh, yeah, vivid for it. Yep. Uh, uh, fuck it. Anthems for insubordinates. There was yes, one right, about like, yeah. was it all family incest? There were a bunch that were yeah, like, what the hell? That. Yeah, I, I I wish I had a list of all of them. I'm a big AFI fan, so I I, I should remember all of them. Samezies. <laughs> yeah, we actually Love just it. did uh, it, what will be debuting. It'll be a new episode by the time this one comes, or old episode by the time this one comes out, was I did one on the All Hollows EP. I'm a big oh. fan of EPs. I think that it is a, a dying art. Oh, 100%. You know, 100%. like people put out singles and I'm like, well, why am I going to buy your single unless there's like a B side on it? Because your single is just going to be on the record. But an EP right. is its own self-contained thing. And it has the attention span of an idiot like me who's like, oh, cool. Five minutes and it's over. I agree. And we actually talk about this in the band all the time, whether or not we should even put out a full record. In the digital age, it doesn't make sense to me unless it's a story. You know, if you're doing fucking Mastodon, yeah, put out the full record. <laughs> but otherwise. It's like, I don't understand why. Like, do one soundscape. I think the people who did it best was fucking thrice when they did the alchemy oh, index God, yeah, with alchemy index EPs, yeah, dude. yeah it was great i got that on vinyl man hell yeah i got I to see them too listening to that earlier you ever want a, a killer experience so for a straight edge dork i like a lot of like surrealist and psychedelic stuff at times listen to mm-hmm. the song night diving while you're going through a drive-through car wash change your life i'll have to do that that was actually that song used to be one 
of my go-to night driving songs. Ah, all the time. Well, speaking of Macedon, have you ever been told you look like their drummer? Oh yes, many times. Okay, <laughs> you really do. I, yeah, I've gotten that. I, funny enough, I've gotten quite a few drummers. When I had my head sh- like not shaved but buzzed, people used to say I look like Stevo Thirty Two from uh, Some Forty One for years, <laughs> which was always interesting. But yeah, what was I? Uh, my brain. It, I had a thought, and it. Oh, also, you're not going to derail me. You're not going to. You are wrong on your favorite night driving song because there is one night driving song and it is separate ways by journey and i'm talking about like you know when the asphalt is glistening from a fresh rain and you're just like oh try it i fucking dare you i'll go do it now i love journey it makes me wish that i smoked you know what i mean like sure cancer is bad but the idea of looking cool like smoking while driving like a fucking camaro in the dark to that song dude while wearing a leather jacket yes i just gave myself a boner thinking about myself Journey made me narcissistic. (laughs) So tell us all about your band, because you've been on Hidden Track before, and I know that the Patreon patrons love you. And uh, they've all listened to you. They've all watched your music video that just came out. So pedal yourself before we get to the juice of the episode. This way people can't turn out. That's awesome. I'm glad that the uh, the Patreons like us. They obviously have really shitty taste because they pay me. So don't take it <laughs> too much to heart. I, I won't. I won't let it get to my head. Is that how <laughs> we connected? Was through that? Yeah, because I I found you guys on Instagram and I okay. was just looking for tracks for hidden tracks and I was like, oh wow, this is delightful because it always makes me happy. Because I'll be honest with you, there are plenty of hidden tracks that I've put where I'm like, you know, it's okay. But there, when I find a band where it's like I would listen to this objectively, that makes me happy. And the cult sounds <laughs> is one of the bands that I do that with. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, the band is three years old now, going on four, I guess. Two thousand. What year is it? Twenty twenty. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so yeah, going on three years old. Me and the, the other two main members, Ryan and Bennett. Uh, Ryan plays lead guitar, and Bennett sings. We've been friends since our freshman year of college. We all went to Webster University together. Okay. Ben did theater. I did film. Ryan did photography. So none of you did music and now you do music. That's amazing. Yeah. We all wanted to do something together. And Ben and I tried a couple of times. We were in a stoner rock band. Ryan and I were in a like an old school death metal band at one point together. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool because we both listened to Morbid Angel and Death and, you Fuck know, yeah. at the gate, stuff like that a lot. I like so. every version of Death, including the black punk band. So keep going. <laughs> I, I like them, too. They're great. Keep on knocking, motherfucker. But I also love Death. Like, that's one of my favorite logos of all time, with the scythe oh my tea. God. So what is your favorite death record? Everybody I, always has a different one. Here's where I I have to sound like a poseur or at least a cop out because years ago, I'm not admitting to any felonious misconduct, but I will say that I obtained a discography of death and it was all in MP3 format. And as such, oh, okay. it was one large file. So it was basically like a jarbled mess. And so to even <laughs> think of it as one, I don't ever even think of it as a full record, but they are a band that I have consistently put on. I I have them on my old Dell MP3 player. That's that old. I had them on my Zune, the pink Zune that I mentioned. I had them on three different iPods and I have them. I have at least three of their songs saved on my Google Drive as backup music in case like Spotify or whatever goes out. Okay, gotcha. What's your favorite? So of the more progressive and technical stuff, symbolic. Of the more straight, straight ahead, like gory, groovy death metal, leprosy. Hell yeah. Those are my two go-tos. Those are great adjectives to use too, gory and groovy, because that's definitely (laughs) the vibe. 
<laughs> exactly. So yeah, the, all those projects failed. We all listen to the same music. We all have a lot of overlap, but we also come from a lot of different backgrounds. And we finally were just like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's. We've all been in a lot of bands that have failed. Let's just do something together. And if anybody gives a shit, that's cool. But like, we're we just were like, let's just write some shit that's going to be fun for us. There you go. Originally, it wasn't going to be a full band. It was just going to be a recording project. Okay. Because Ben lived in Indiana at the time and Ryan and I were here. So I would, I basically, the songwriting process goes, it starts with me. I write either a part and send it to them or I write the full song and then send it to them. And then Ben writes vocals to it. And Ryan and I get together and hash out the lead guitars and we write like solos and stuff together. And he, and he, he'll usually take what we come up with and then he'll sit, you know, sit with it for a few days and then come back and just absolutely rip a solo or come up with a cooler lead than I had thought of. Um, But it's, it's a very organic writing process. And then, we have our bassist come in. I, I write all the drum stuff because our, our drummer is in a pretty active other band. Okay. So he didn't have a, a lot of time to write. So I, I basically, I've written all the drums and the keys, rhythm guitars, stuff like that. So it just started like that. And we were like, you know, okay, this is fun, whatever. And we recorded a cover of uh, Bauhaus's Bela Lugosi's Dead. Yep. Put that on Halloween in 2018. People were like, oh, this is cool. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool that you think it's cool. We like it. And then we st- I started writing the songs that would be on the Cult Sounds EP. And Ben was like, fuck, man, these are really good. I- I'm going to have to move back. And we were like, ah, yeah, that'd be cool. And then he like was like, hey, I got an apartment. I'm moving back. And we're wow. like, oh, you were serious. Okay. So we were like, okay, fuck it. Let's kick it into overdrive. And then we started forming a full band and wrote about 65 songs. Uh, <laughs> Um, Holy shit! That you are a fan of AFI. You've made a bajillion songs that aren't going to see the light of day. Amazing. Yeah, well, we took the the December. We, I heard Davey and Jade talk about December Underground. They're like, "Yeah, we wrote like 120 songs," and yep. I was like, "Okay, that's how you write a good song. You write 120 bad ones, yep. and then you have these ones that make it on the record." So we wrote about 65 songs to option for the EP. And some of those songs are actually still, we're still going to release them at some point. Okay. But we were like, okay, five songs. It's like 15 minutes. All killer, no filler, motherfucker. Exactly. Yeah. We were like, you know, fuck it. It's our first release. Anything more would be asking too much of people to listen to. Yeah. One of my bands, we did an EP and it was like seven or eight tracks. And I was like, why? Like looking back, I'm like, we should have done three. We should have spent the exact same amount of time in studio for three songs instead of seven (laughs) almost finished songs. And luckily, I mean, I, I produce all of our stuff, so we oh, don't awesome. have to pay for any of that shit. So Isn't it, the digital age wonderful? Oh, it's amazing. But it also saturates the market like a motherfucker. Hey, you're telling so the guy who started, has a podcast during a pandemic, for the 200,000 <laughs> people who fucking died because of COVID, every single one of them lives on. It, his spirit ascended into the podcast ether and a new show developed. <laughs> Is that too morbid? Should I, mean, I not have said that? That was bad. I feel dark about it. Nah, this is a dark podcast, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. So we, I mean, we put that out, played a ton of shows on it. Uh, somehow people from all over found it, picked it up. And I mean, we have people, I mean, I've had to ship merch to Los Angeles, Germany, New Jersey, Ohio. I mean, we're from St. Louis, so we're like, no one's going to give a fuck what we're doing here. Because so, the St. Louis music scene is very much metalcore, hip hop, and like rap rock which I yeah. don't know why that's still a thing. And then because Limp Biscuit is rocking the set, it's like Russian <laughs> roulette 
when you're placing your bets. I guess. So don't they're, be they upset. Like I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> they all sound like Lincoln Park, the ones that are here. But, oh. uh, and then there's a, a really good underground DIY hardcore scene, which is where we come out of. Hell yeah. Um, and I, I played in a couple hardcore bands. So like that's just where we felt more comfortable. And One thing I'll say, like hardcore kids are so fucking cool when it comes to goth shit. It dry, it, I, I think it's hilarious how like hardcore kids so often get maligned as being like, you know, overly bro-y or, or like, you know, because you go to the old DC kind of minor threat stuff it's like gym shorts and a hoodie and stuff but right. dude the amount of times that i have seen somebody in a seven second shirt who's fucking blaring the hanging garden for christ's sake it's awesome <laughs> it makes me really happy no i mean it's yeah you're absolutely right um and to be honest with you a lot of the bands that have represented the, us the most that were from out of town are hardcore bands yeah because it's all about good times and then punching each other but like exactly. in a respectful <laughs> way right and, <laughs> I would say we're not straight up goth either. Oh, not at all. I, I hope I didn't subjugate you into a little no, niche. No, we're, no, no, not at all. Because I mean, I if you call this goth, I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. If you call this punk, I'd probably be like, yeah, you're probably right. If you call this post-punk, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, you're right. Because yeah. we've gotten a lot of strange comparisons. Obviously, the AFI one, we get a lot. Yeah. We get typo negative every now and then, which doesn't... I mean, I love typo negative, but I don't think we're heavy enough, but that's flattering. Yeah, you don't have the low end, but not in an insulting no, way. Yeah. It just, that's, like, yeah. You can listen to that and you feel it in your chest when you're listening to it in your headphones. Yeah, and I don't tu- we don't tune down to B, you know. <laughs> but we get we, every now and then we get Billy Idol and I don't hear oh, that, but I could totally hear that. I had never really? heard it before until you said that, but yeah, some some of the we we got picked up by a writer in Norway, and he said they they sound like Bauhaus, AFI, Flock of Seagulls, and Billy Idol, and I was like, sure, if you like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. One that I'll say, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it, was uh, Matt Skiba of Alkaline Trio also had a side project called Heavens in 2006, and they had an album. We've called- gotten that. That record is, dude, that record is so good. It is Is so fucking good. It is so tight and solid for what it is. And like half of me is torn because I would love another record. But then half of me is also like, but they never fucked it up. You know, they never put out that botched record or whatever. It's it's just this kind of beautiful little time capsule to 2006 when I was like taking my shitty cheating girlfriend. We're going out the door. (laughs) And as I'm about to turn off MTV, I'm like, hold on. Is that Matt Skiba? because that doesn't sound like Alkaline Trio and it was the video for Patent Pending. Dude, I highly recommend it. I think you dig it. I need to because I'm, I'm a huge Alkaline Trio fan. Oh, there you go. Does that mean I you're mean, a Blink-182 fan now? No, I haven't liked anything that they've put out since Tom left. Really? That's interesting because no, Matt's the I guy don't. now. I know. I, I hate it. It's really? fucking terrible. Did it you like the me. video? They replaced all the small things, but instead of them running with their dicks out, it's three cute girls and they're naked. Oh, see, I didn't even know. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's probably the most brilliant music video ever because they aren't even in it. Like that is when you've made it, when you can make other people make a video for you that makes you money. When you can make other people get naked for you. Yes. I don't like new Blink-182. They've, they strip, I, I fucking hate the way that what's his name from Goldfinger produces music because he, he strips all of the raw energy and like sound out of everything. I yeah. It's super clean sounding for sure. It sounds very, it. very producted. It also just doesn't sound like Skiba. Like when I think of Skiba, I'm like, okay, Alkaline Trio, it's kind 
kind of it's darker punk you know and that yeah. there's no morbid metaphors there's no like uh, donner party of two you know whatever there's no 10 stories falling stuff like that there's so, no know. love songs to uh cultists who were involved with the manson murders that's one of my favorites exactly. my friend named her dog after that song not knowing and i was like you do know that your little pomeranian is named after a murderer <laughs> or at least an accomplice there too and she was like what yeah so anyway back to the cult sounds or yes maybe we're just gonna loosen the tie let's get back to cult sounds what about it <laughs> um so we i mean i don't know we we got merch and shit and that was cool weirdly enough i mean we started right as soon as we put the ep out right away we started writing for the next thing i mean like since we put it out till now i shit you not maybe over 100 songs yeah when you go to your band camp you have one two three four uh, eight different releases out and there are tons of songs on each so it's not as though it's just like eight singles and that's impressive for the three-year existence yeah, I mean, we ch- you can't, I mean, it, it might not all be good, but we're prolific. There you go. Uh. <laughs> if I may, I think that you are definitely aging gracefully, uh, much like what I imagine a fine wine would, because your newest album art is my favorite by far. The What Gets oh, Done, what in, the gets night. done in the Night. Oh, you like that? Oh, that's a tattoo waiting to happen, sir. <laughs> I I that I made that one. That one that one I really like enjoyed. Hell yeah. Um, and plus it's a vampire song so I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, coffins and a bat." Yes. Do it. That is six. So yeah, we, I mean, that's as soon as we finished that song, we we're like, "Oh fuck, that has to be the first single." There you go. Because it sounds kind of like our old stuff, but it's pushed in a better direction. I, I love the EP stuff, but we have twelve songs ready to go, done, recorded for a full length album that we're shopping around to labels right now. Awesome. And fuck, I love the new songs. That makes they're, me really happy. God, they're so good. I, I love them. Like if I objectively, if I had nothing to do with this band, I would listen to this music. It's I really enjoy it and i hate everything i do <laughs> funny enough davy havoc said the same thing about his work in the dream car super group yeah uh, so I, I you're definitely in good company when it comes to listening to yourself and being like kind of awkward about it but like yeah this is still undeniably good it's like fuck i'd bang this in the car baby this is this is killer would i fuck me i'd fuck me I'd fuck. <laughs> i know it's supposed to be would you don't dare correct me on my quotes I will not. Especially when it comes to Silence of the Lambs, because there are so many misquotes in that. But I will move on. Jordan, what the hell are you bringing to the uh, circle time of sharing slasherness this evening? So what I'm bringing is actually not a slasher movie at all. It's more <laughs> of a it's more of a um, a pod movie because it has a lot more in common with uh, Invasion of the Body yep. Snatcher or like Stepford Wives or The Twilight Zone, but Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Oh yeah, it even looks like those movies when you think about it. Like it does. It is if nowhere near. One. It's like yeah, it's definitely nowhere near as claustrophobic as like Halloween. Like I, the first two Halloween movies. Like you're you have no choice but to focus. And then you get to this one, and especially when they get to the silver shamrock factory, you're just like, oh, my eyes are glazing over. Is this important? Is this important in the corner over here? <laughs> and guess what? None of it's important. And I fucking love this movie. I am a hu- I'm a huge fucking fan of this movie. I will defend this movie to the grave. It is a hill I will die on forever and occupy forever. My ghost will come back and fight anybody who says that this is not a great movie. I fucking love this movie. And I, I came prepared. I brought my Scream Factory collector's Blu-ray. Yes. Uh, which has the 
interchangeable covers with the original one and oh. then the awesome cover, which for some reason, Cochran looks more like Donald Pleasance than Colonel Cochran, but whatever. Kind of like the tall man from Phantasm, for Christ's sake. Oh, shit, you're right. He does look like Angus Scrim. Huh. What, have you read uh, Don Coxiarelli's book? No. It's I really haven't. good. I really love the first two Phantasm movies a lot, but I'm other than that, I'm not actually familiar with a lot of his work. Actually, that's not true. I Beastmaster. Really like oh yeah, that's true. Oh fuck, that's a yeah. great movie. And I love his Masters of Horror episode, uh, uh, incident on a, on and off a mountain road. Hell yes. And then I also came prepared because I brought my Halloween three season of the witch <sighs> vinyl. So good. And it, opens up i'm sure no one gives a shit about any of this but i'll show you because i mean they're not going to see it right yeah but who gives a fuck this is this is for you and i not them so it comes with a letter from silver shamrock love it it comes with the three different cards for the three different masks which those masks fucking rip dude I, do, I know. I'm looking into trying to buy one now, but they're not, or buy all three of them, but they're not always cheap. Yeah. And then oh, vinyl itself. It's a thing of beauty. For those it's of you amazing. who I'm can't sure. see it, it's a black and orange mixture of pressed vinyl, which is just, I am such a little slut for, you know, fancy vinyl. I have vinyls oh, that are blood splattered and ones that glow in the dark. And my new favorite is from Night, the metal band who we've had on this show. And uh, it's gold flecked and like, I hate tie dye, but it's like gold and black tie-dye it's boner tastic i am i'm the same way i am i am a fucking dirty dirty slut for vinyl in general but specifically cool limited variant pressings different colors if i see shit at the store i'm like well i don't have that variant so then i'll fucking buy it I have, I mean, I, I really have a problem. I don't have really many addictions in life, but that is one of them. Yeah. It's vinyl. I am running out of space on my shelves. Well, that's one of the things like if it's, if you're just going to put a fucking MP3 onto vinyl, you better make it beautiful because if it's not right. analog tape to vinyl, why are we wasting our time unless exactly. it's pretty? Boom. Exactly. Plus, I mean, for the collector side in me, I can't help but be like, well, okay, so this one sounds better than this pressing. Okay. There's a, a weird variant here with that. That pressing that sounds better all right well i gotta find it yeah what, what's wrong with me i'm the same way with actually funnily enough the uh the first halloween because that is my favorite movie of all time oh so I, I like six different blu-rays of it i own like a couple of different anchor bay version dvds right you know on. i just i have a problem so what is it about mikey myers that gets you going what i love about the first one in particular is because it was the movie that got me interested in making my own films Ooh. and was like okay so so they made this movie for a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah. and it looked this good. Why can't I do it? Yeah. John Carpenter's use of negative space in that inspired me in so many different mediums in photography in videography in art, like in drawing. Uh, like mm-hmm. I love so much of what you don't see dictating what you see and exactly. you know, the inarguable spotlight that isn't just a uh, like a focal point when he fucking sits up behind her. Like that is such a perfect moment. And that's coming from a guy who amazing what's crazy like i'm a huge like i'm much more of a jason Voorhees fan just because i love the whole schlocky goodness and the the intricacies of the series and uh, these things back and forth because i feel like michael gets way off the rails later on but the first three halloween movies 
are so good, in my opinion. Like I'm, I have a soft spot for four. Also, four is not bad, but then four is bastardized by five. That's what bothers me about that. One. And five is further bastardized by six. <laughs> yeah, right. But like the like Jamie being the killer, that is so good. And then it's like, oh, she just a has a weird voice. Ending bastards no, fucked it up. I, I, and speaking of that too, I have the which is why I have it over here is the uh, the one through five the vinyl. Yeah, one through five. They just did. Uh, I think it's called Death Waltz. Um, yeah, Death Waltz. They just did re- all remasters from the original tapes and pressed all the vinyl, and they're all amazing. That's awesome, dude. But I just love I just love the Halloween series a lot. It's some of my earliest horror memories. Yeah. Um, between I I just remember being a kid in the '90s watching AMC Fear Fest, and you know me and my friends would be carving jack o' lanterns at like a, a Halloween get together thing at one at like my buddy's house or yeah. whatever, and Halloween four and five would play back to back, and we're just like, oh my god, turn it off, turn it off. It's so, it's too scary. <laughs> you know, those uh, between that and uh, uh, the Hammer Dracula movies, those are like oh. some of my original memories of, of horror. You know? Hammer is so, so I, perfect. I have a really soft spot for Halloween. Yeah, and what's great about Halloween one is you could show that to somebody of virtually any age, and it's not too bad. You know, it's no, yeah. as bad as you want to make it. I think conceptually. Right. No, I I, I would 100% agree with that. Because like I I was watching like uh, arguably Kevin Costner's Robin Hood Prince of Thieves is a gorier film. And I was watching that as a child. And RoboCop, the liquefied guy, you mean to tell me that some fucker getting stabbed next to a cabinet is as bad as someone being liquefied? <laughs> Dude, on. RoboCop. Oh, my God. We could do a whole episode on RoboCop and just, well, we could do a whole episode on how many people get thrown through windows in RoboCop. It's God, that a perfect film. It is. I, I watched it the other day, actually, and I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was like, fuck, this is great. My daughter was watching something, some like little kid cartoon and something turned into basically Ed 209. And I got so excited that my two-year-old judged me and my wife judged me and my two-month-old son took his mouth off of my wife's tit and looked at me and was like, this is why you'll never get this back, you loser. But I'm a huge... And Paul Verhoeven is just... He's a fucking treasure. So I'm going really to say cool. this. You and I are going to do an episode and it will be titled Why RoboCop is a Horror Film. And it will... I, I promise this this day. It might not be today, but it will be soon. I'm down. So anyway, back to this movie and why this movie yeah. is a horror film. So, you know, people like to, you know, it's always the joke. It's the it's the Michael Myers movie without Michael Myers or whatever. Right. He's in it, both in the TV commercial. Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. is in it because she's sure. the operator and she's the lady on the PA. And mm-hmm. so it's like people. So Annie. Yeah. Nancy Loomis. She's in it. They, well, yeah. And then there's all these references. You have people from the original who worked on it. Like, I don't understand. Like, I my brain just broke trying to evo- like explain this, but like, I don't understand how people think they're being pithy in talking about this. Uh, like, it was so constructed to make you consciously aware that he wasn't there, and people were still somehow right. upset. I was like, it's just so weird to me. You would think too that I, I don't. Obviously, I wasn't alive in 1982, but you would have had to have guessed that the marketing materials would have conveyed, hey, yeah, he's not in it. <laughs> you know, and then I hate, I fucking hate it that that's the biggest criticism of this movie. Yeah, it's like, what else do you have? Editing is a little poor. That's probably the only thing I'd say. Yeah, it, is, yeah. it lags it's in some areas, but sure. that also goes to budget because if you don't have enough film, you can't quick cut. But also, movies right. of the '80s, especially the early '80s, they weren't quick cuts. 
You know, this no. isn't your, what is it, born supremacy, where the average cut length is less than two seconds? No, yeah, you got you got a lot. Well, I mean, also, it, Dean Cundy shot it, and it, and clearly Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Wallace, I mean, this was his first movie that he directed, Yeah, was a, a student of John Carpenter, since he was, they were close friends, and he was like, okay, everything I know comes from John, and this movie has John Carpenter's handprint, or fingerprints all over it, not just for the amazing score that him and Alan Holworth did, but in the visual style, in the story storytelling it's all there it's it's a john carpenter film even if he didn't direct it of course and i think that's one of the things that's so la- like long standing is you look at john carpenter's works and people extrapolate on them they expand on them they reference them like fuck the grim adventures of billy and mandy made their own snake pliskin when you're a guy <laughs> who creates stuff that people cherish and will run off with like it has to feel like cool and you know he's talked a lot about being a dad and seems to be a super fucking cool dad so like i hope yeah. that he's as proud of these I ideas and this like thought as his children not saying that his children aren't like worthwhile or anything that sounded like a passive aggressive snub but it really wasn't from everything that i've seen he's a very unpretentious man yeah he, he's just if you give him a pack of cigarettes and just like let's talk about like what's cool he's he's fine but if you try to get him to like psychoanalyze things or be like oh let's let's uh let's make this an intelligent conversation he's yeah. like look i i you know we shot this movie we shot the fog in wherever blah 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 it was fucking miserable and then we had to go ahead, we had to shoot reshoot half the movie because it wasn't scary all right there you go that's the fog and it's like all right let's move on he's refreshingly <laughs> and this might sound like i'm like sniffing my own ass but like he is very much like a horror equivalent of like an Ernest Hemingway where he's like, <laughs> that, yeah. no, it's about an old man and a sea. And like with Halloween, no, it's not about an abused fat kid, Rob Zombie. No, it's not about some weird deformed kid, you know, Sean Cunningham. No, this is about a guy who is just pure evil. And that's what Mm -hmm. makes him so compelling. Like, that's why I get so frustrated with the later installments. Because like, so my favorite Marvel supervillain is Bullseye. Why? Because he's just fucking evil. Like you just don't know anything. He has all this money. He doesn't need money. He doesn't want yeah. world domination. He just wants to be evil. And that's so compelling. And that's Michael Myers in this. Where he's, or, and then, you know, and then you get to this one. Why do they want to just fucking kill kids? This is just as because good. It's uh it's the best prank that he could come up with. <laughs> that's it. That is it. And I love that he kind of ties it back to that. There's, there's not a lot of explanation to anything. Yeah. And I love that Cochran is just fucking evil. He's like a James Bond villain. Yeah, of course. It's great. He, you know, you got Tom Atkins who, you know, is the greatest man who's ever lived and yeah. probably has a 14 inch cock. Yeah. And when I don't mean to fact check Jordan, when he says 14 <laughs> inches, he's talking about the circumference, not the length, just to be clear. I don't want anybody being offended. <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah. He's, he's the Marlboro man in this movie. He wears a, a a flannel the entire time. He's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. I love him in this movie. I but, love him in every um, movie. Like thrill. Oh, yeah. He's great. Like Night, Night of the, the Creeps is beautiful. Yeah. And he's in the fog. He's great in the fog. He's, I think he's in uh, a couple other Carpenter movies that I'm just drawing blank on, but yeah, he's fucking great. I just realized that Night of the Creeps and this would be such a fucking killer double feature. It would. Yeah. It really would. But, uh, you know, Cochran is, he doesn't have any reason. He just wants to kill kids yeah. because that would be a great prank. And then we have strayed too far 
far from the origins of Samhain and, you know, when the hills ran red with blood of animals and children. And it was like, okay, this guy's just fucking evil. It's he awesome. has no reason to do it. And he has just made these fucking masks his whole life so he can be old and have a ton of money to do this. Oh. Okay, I'm in. Fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> it logistically makes no sense. Well, and also, like, you got to love the craft of the movie because so many people want to be critical of it. And, and like, like I said, my only real complaint about the film is that some of the editing could be tighter, but the production value speaks for itself. The fucking masks oh, yeah. that you would buy at the store are the masks from this. They kept the same yeah. molds. Like, and honestly, yeah, Don Posts made those masks and they're great. It's amazing. Yeah, they're great. And like, and what's amazing to me is the flexibility and the emotiveness that each one has. Like, mm-hmm. Each one, it, 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 like, clearly has an evocative feeling. Like, from the beginning, when the kids are doing their stupid little dance and singing, you know, about how many days are left to Halloween, till their fucking faces are falling apart. And <laughs> you got people with orange juice coming out of their guts. Like, oh, man. Uh, this it, it's this movie I, I will fight to the death and say that it's a secret masterpiece aside from some of the editing I do agree that is as an editor myself yeah some of that absolutely could be tighter but this movie I mean like it takes everything that I love from like you know Night Gallery yeah. Twilight Zone whatever and just like ratchets it up with like a carpenter twist it's so good and and the cinematography is awesome and it feels like Halloween yeah it's it is the most Halloween Halloween movie because you got the oranges and they, there's that great shot when they're in uh, I think it's California the the Los Angeles California shot where all the kids are walking across uh, the field and the, you got the orange background and it's just like fuck man this is what Halloween is it's great uh, brown leaf vertigo uh, yeah. as the skeletal life is known which would of course be the skull faced mask <laughs> Boom. To quote the immortal Danzig. Yep. Or Big D, as my friend Davey Calabrese calls him. Let me ask you this, since uh, Danzig was mentioned, have you watched Veronica? So that's a fun one. Johnny from Cry Havoc and I, Johnny Disaster, we have a blood pact that we will do that on this show. And I don't ever want to watch Oof. it before I do the episode because I don't want to not do the episode. But I have heard okay. that it is irredeemably bad and that it is not even fun bad. And I am still committed to doing it. Have you seen it? Yeah, uh, Ryan, Ben, and I, we love watching bad movies. Okay, perfect. The three of us, like, we recently just watched all of the Leprechaun movies. Ah, uh, which is your favorite? The one I enjoyed the most was probably, th- is three the one where they're, oh, no, two is in Las Vegas or three? Two. Two, okay. So Let me double check that. The most enjoyable to watch. Three, whatever that one, I think three's in space, maybe. Four is in space. Okay, so three is probably the most enjoyable from just like a comedy standpoint. Four is the most batshit crazy. Um, when he comes out of the dude's and- dick. What the fuck? Oh my god! And also that movie just looks like a porno half the time. The, oh the yeah, and the way that it shot. I'm like, good god! But the one guy turns into like a fucking scorpion spider. Yeah, oh my dude, god, that movie is off the fucking rails. But and he I mean, has he a fucking lightsaber. Like I know. Oh my god! I remember I, seeing I, the was it Attack of the Clones where Yoda pulls out his lightsaber for the first time, and I was like, Warwick Davis did it. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched those. We didn't watch the the reboot one because I I, heard, I don't I don't really care with but, WWE's um, Hornswoggle. Yeah, nah. Yeah, I didn't really care if it didn't have Warwick Davis. I wasn't interested. Have you ever seen but the very unlucky heard- Leprechaun? 
No. Also stars Warwick Davis. So I'm sure there are plenty of grandmothers who have scarred their children for life going to the VHS rental store and getting the wrong <laughs> Warwick Davis leprechaun movie. Oh, I got you that that cute little leprechaun movie you love so much. Gee, thanks, Grandma. <laughs> Um, but we watch, yeah, we watched those, um, but yeah, we watched Veronica and, and, uh, it was, it was kind of miserable. Uh, yep. There's a couple moments that are funny, but like, I can't tell if he is self-aware or not. That's the thing that people keep saying is it's the room of horror movies, but you know, I just love him. Like he's just like that embarrassing uncle who's like, <laughs> you know, who shows up kind of drunk and way too loud. And for some reason they're wearing a mesh shirt, but if the family get together, that's the person you go to hang out with. Cause he's the most fun. And like, even when I'm laughing at Danzig, like I find Danzig to be so entertaining. I oh, found God, yeah. one of the best Facebook groups of all time is called embarrassing pictures of Danzig. Oh, it you're is. in that group too, huh? Oh, it's so good. So good. I'm in that group as well. Oh. I love it. No, I'm, I'm a, big Danzig fan in general. I mean, I love the first four Danzig records and I'll, I'll say that six and seven have some merit. Um, and I like death red Sabbath, but, um, I'm a huge Sam Hain and, and miss it fan too. So Hell I, mean, yeah. I, I love the guy, but God damn, someone needs to tell him to up his quality and shit. Cause that Elvis record that he put out was fucking horrendous. It was pretty embarrassing. He couldn't sing. Correct. But I mean, like what the hell, if he's not howling, is he singing? True. I don't think he has that classic werewolf howl anymore, though. He does not. That is definitely true. His uh, his moon has not been full in many a year, and neither has his hair. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. Someone's got to stop him from doing that. I feel like my hairline just receded half of an inch because I made that joke, but, I mean, come on. It was worth it. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to Halloween 3, could you give a brief synopsis of the film for those who might not have seen it? Oh, geez. Okay, so film opens with a man running, clutching a Halloween mask, and an unknown assailant in a suit is tracking him down, attempts to kill him. Man, he looks, that guy, that um, unknown assailant sure looks known to me. On uh, <laughs> Mr. Dick Warlock, maybe? Who may or may not have played uh, Michael Myers in the previous Halloween. I don't mm. know. Possibly. Also, what a good porn name. D Dick Warlock? Yeah. Hey, girl. Yeah, wow. I got a magic trick. You want to see it? I'm going to put my Expectro in your Patron ass. <laughs> so uh, he doesn't kill him. He gets taken to a hospital where Tom Atkins is an alcoholic doctor who slaps a lot of nurse ass in this movie and gets away with it because it's 1982. Is he ever not drunk in his movies? That's a good point. I think that might be in his contract. I, honestly, I think that's great to be on brand in that way. <laughs> Yeah. Tom Atkins has it in his in his writer that he has to be drunk and you have to constantly provide him a, I, what does he drink? Probably Miller Lite. I think he's a Northern man. Yeah. Or a natural bohemian, I'd say. Yeah, there you go. He's probably not a Budweiser guy. I'd hope not. Hey, watch it. You're a I'm Budweiser guy? I'm from St. Louis. Boring. I don't even drink <laughs> and I know that's boring. You should be drinking like fucking steel reserve, right? That's what men drink, I've been told. Oh I'm, I'm a giant gaping pussy, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm more of a craft beer drinker myself. Oh, but anyway. Just like yeah. a Josh Prohibition I read recently. The pro wrestler who made a career out of being straight edge is like, oh, well, you know, I drink now. and I, I make my own craft beer. And I'm like, I'm sorry, then change the name. 
Almost like people, I'm sure, were with this movie being like, there's no Michael Myers. We'll change the name. It's the biggest. It's the thing that got it made and the biggest detractor. So Dr. Chalice. Yes. He's like, okay, this guy, this guy's fucked up. He's clutching a Halloween mask saying these they're going to kill us all. I don't know what's going on. Another suited assailant comes, murders the guy, and then blows himself up in the car. Um, so Dr. Chalice is like, all right, something's going on here. The daughter of the guy that was murdered comes. She's like, oh, I need help finding out who got, you know, killed them, whatever. Yeah. So then uh, she finds out he bought a bunch of masks from Silver Shamrock. They go to Santa Mira, which is the same fictional town from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. And then I don't want to give too much away. Chaos ensues. There you go. And also Tom Atkins bangs her because he's Tom Atkins. He's so delightful. It's the most suave way, too. He's like, I could sleep in the car. I could sleep on the floor. And she goes, well, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? She knew. Yeah. Well, I'm more of an outdoorsman myself, but my dick needs a sleeping bag. It seems to me the good Lord provided you one between those fleshy thighs. He doesn't talk like that. I don't know why he sounds like Foghorn Leghorn in my impersonation, but hey, you know, they can't all be the best. Ah, whoops. So, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that this is one where I like staying in spoiler-free territory because this is a great merit badge horror film. Like, for people who have never given it a chance because they know, or people who've maybe watched it years ago, like, watching it as an adult is really, it is a fair adventure. And one fix that I have, I don't know if you do this, as a filmmaker, I'm sure you probably think this is a bastardization, but a lot of times I'll watch a movie at, say, like, 1.1 speed. And so this movie's 98 minutes. If you watch it at that kind of speed, you're getting to the 90 minute mark and it really makes it more palatable Uh, and you Mm -hmm. barely notice. I mean, this is something advertisers have done for years. If you show a TV show at 1.1 speed, it's almost indistinguishable, but then they can get an extra two minutes of commercial time. So, yeah. I would say that you could probably cut a good seven or eight minutes out of this movie. Easy. Just like, you know, long panning shots, you know, like just shots of the Silver Shamrock factory. Like it gets a little bit like, oh, well, we had the scenery, so we might as well use it. And it's like, well, you didn't need it, though. There's no substance there. Uh, but you could yeah. have left some of that on the cutting cutting room floor. Could have and Who should have. Movie? Yeah. Probably Tommy Lee Wallace. Yeah, he edited it, I think. And he so, edited the first Halloween. Yeah. And you never want. Oh, no. This says Millie Moore. What on what my notes. Millie Moore. More like Millie Less. Oh, yeah, I looked at the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, did you have a director's cut, maybe? No, no, I just can't read. Oh, okay, that's good. So, yeah, I mean, the movie was profitable. It was bastardized. And I think it's starting to get a resurgence, especially like in the marketability of the merch and stuff. Because, it, oh, yeah. you know, you know, your first Halloween had one iconic mask. This movie has three iconic masks. Like, I could easily see a movie where the slasher had any one of these three masks. And it'd be great. You could do a whole franchise oh, with just one of them. So. And and I think too, you know, people are the people who saw it originally who hated it were probably exposed more later on to the things that it was it was influenced by, and they were like, okay, I get where this is coming from. This is not, you know, what I signed up for, but I can appreciate it in this lens, you know. And that I that's kind of how I was too, because the first time I saw it, I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I remember watching it, and I was like, I don't get it. What does this have to do with anything? Yeah. But that's the thing, like, I think so many people are like, like, they focus on what the film is missing and not what it's offering. And it's offering like a batshit idea 
I mean, yeah. that's like doing a James Bond film without James Bond. Like that is so yeah. thrilling to me. I would so much rather so watch a Q cool. movie than a Bond movie. Yeah, no. And it's it's just so fucking cool because it's taking the ideas of computer technology that's outdated now, but and, and witchcraft. Yeah. And those, I mean, like you, you can't really go wrong. 100%. And that's one of the things I've talked about with the new Evil Dead coming out. I, I My dream would be if the Necronomicon was on like the Amazon cloud. And so people are downloading on their <laughs> Kindles and deadites are roaming the earth. And speaking of books, uh, the novelization of this, I just wanted to touch on. I, I love the ending of it where it's like, yeah, maybe Cochran's alive. Like, I love just the little twist, you know, that the end question mark is my favorite kind of ending. I read the synopsis of it, but I, I could never get my hands on the novelization. Actually, going to Google how much it is because I kind of want it <laughs> on Amazon. You can get a copy for oh a pittance ninety eight dollars twenty one cents. Oh, perfect! Yeah. I'll order it now. Oh, but if you want the mass market paperback, it's one hundred and fifty three dollars eleven cents. So you know, oh, even better. Yeah, even better. One of each, right? Yeah, I, that'll be a great paperweight. That'll cost me a lot of money. Seriously, anybody got a fucking Xerox machine? I will pay you twenty dollars <laughs> to Xerox that book. <laughs> All right. I would for real get it. Fuck it. I don't care. It's yeah. hundred bucks. Yeah, who gives a shit? You can't take it with you, right? Right. Exactly. I'm not I need a to pharaoh. But no, I love this movie, man. I, I, I really like a lot of the ideas in it. I love the, the atmosphere. I'm really big on atmosphere in horror yeah. movies. And your um, own music videos for The Cult Sounds. That's true. And and I, it, I'm sure it was not totally unobvious that the John Carpenter style was influential for the music video itself. What? Yeah. With some of those know, panning shots? What? I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school here when I say that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So with you, I think we've just concluded your segment. And I don't mean to railroad you, but I'd like to talk about my topic for this evening, which is the band yeah. Calabrese, uh, which you oh, had yeah. not heard of because you are a filthy Southerner uh, and not a Pacific Westerner like me, because Calabrese is a horror punk band from Arizona. And so you got a like a, a little a, a little uh, succulent taste of them via our discussion. Are you into it? Oh, I'm very into it. I, I've listened to them vaguely in the past. I've never really dug into them. Yeah. I found them by way of probably AFI. Yep. They probably were like in a horror punk thing with like Blitz Kid and like what the Coffin Cats, you know, whatever. Mad Sin and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I really dig it. And uh, I almost wore a leather jacket tonight <laughs> just because I saw that Davey wore one. So I was like, oh, you know what? I should probably wear a leather jacket, but it's a little too warm right now in st louis for me to wear that yeah thanks he's global warming he's in arizona so i can't really complain yeah so I as jordan said it. i did interview davy calabrese and here it is one of the things i have to say i love about your band and i don't know if this is a conscious effort for you or if you guys ever like sit and have a powwow and discuss this you tell the line of being like really cool and authentic but making sure you're never hokey and I, what I mean by that is like, think about Danzig, right? Danzig's the butt of like every joke because at a point, the mesh shirt in your 50, a little bit hokey. Do you guys, is that a conscious effort from you to not be that guy? Or is it just, you guys are just naturally awesome? <laughs> well, um, let's see. Yeah. Cause there, there is definitely a fine line between cheesy and that, or there's what do I like call it. There's like cheesy, cool. Yeah. And then there's cheesy, which is like cringe. <laughs> yeah right like that kind of cool kitschy period but then at a certain point people who are like you know it's like almost becomes like a weird identity like people like and not to speak ill of anybody like peter murphy for example don't wear a cape during the day it's not a cool look 
you guys do, are not cape day wearers. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, also, he's kind of, uh, I don't know, he's kind of take, he, it's classic case of taking yourself too seriously. And if you do that, everyone can tell. Yeah. And, and if, yeah, you're walking around in a cape or, you know, <laughs> he takes himself seriously. So, yeah, right. it comes off funny. <laughs> so now in terms of fashion, like you guys grew up, if I'm not mistaken, Illinois, right? Uh, yeah, well, let's see here. Jimmy grew up in Illinois. Well, we were all born in Illinois and then our family uprooted to Arizona. Now we're in Arizona. Huge and culture more, shock. Um, well, you know, uh, classic case. The grass is greener where you make it, my friend. There you go. The grass is greener. And yeah, it's super cold there, super hot here. Hey, it's all good. So my but, point um, is, like, you guys wear leather jackets, like, all the time. How can you do that in Arizona? I need to know your mask because in Southern California, I can't wear a coat like that. I will literally sweat until my taint melts off of my body. <laughs> okay, my friend. So <laughs> I literally, right, right before this, I'm like, all right, it's probably good. It's, we're doing Zoom, so it's going to be a video interview. So I put on the leather jacket just for you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. <laughs> Because you guys like great fashion, but then I got it at the back of my mind. I'm always like, these poor boys got to be suffering. Like Arizona gets like, what, you have 120 this summer? Like, whoa. <laughs> Most of the time, it's just, you know, jeans and a t shirt. Okay. A caliber t shirt, by the way. There we LinkedIn. go. Shameless plug. I love it. Do you guys follow pro wrestling at all? Because you have such a Young Bucks vibe with the way that you do your social media and your merch. Like when I give examples to people who ask like how to merchandise their indie art, I'm like, look at Calibri's. Like it's all there. It's like a great template. Like I just copy and paste you into my daily life. (laughs) Thank you. Well, yes. Um, Speaking of here, I I what we got? Can you see him? I see Gizmo. I see a shrunken head. That is oh, that's memory. Macho, Randy, Macho Man, yeah, Randy Savage. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we grew up on when the WWE used to be WWF, and you know Hulk Hogan, oh. from Hulk Hogan to The Rock. That's like the era. That's a Hulk good Hogan, era. The Rock and Stone Cold. Those are my three favorites, dude. I used to not like The Rock because he kind of, you know, he was like a heel, you know, like yeah. Dwayne Johnson. But he won everybody over and he did the did the eyebrow. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay. Dude, he was okay, a good sure. heel too. Nation of Domination. Like he pissed people off. <laughs> yeah. So just watching that, you know, you know, screaming into the mics. We would play play wrestle, you know, do it like I'm gonna beat you up. Stuff like that. And made up our own uh wrestling move called the peanut butter crunch. Would oh, you yes. like me to Of course I I need to know. The people want answers. Okay. <laughs> so the peanut butter crunch is you knock the guy on the floor yeah. or the woman on the floor. And, Equal opportunity. And grab, that's right. <laughs> and you grab both legs and you take take your, your leg and you just crunch. <laughs> oh, wow. Peanut butter crunch. <laughs> right on. Right in the old ovary sack, right? That's right. <laughs> also, during this time, we were eating a lot of peanut butter crunch and it was just on our mind. So I have to ask, the whole idea of you standing on your drum kit, is that at least somewhat the showmanship of pro wrestling bleeding through? Whoa, dude. All right. No one ever mentioned that, that connection. I like that. That must be, that must be, yeah, getting on top of the the ropes. Oh, yeah. 
to tell you what like an old school fan of y'all I am, I'm a blogspot guy. I used to follow those. So when I got to you know read about how you like developed that and like you I read online, maybe right, that you had practiced it only twice before doing it on stage. That's fucking terrifying to me because like the margin of error is super slim because if you take a header over your drums, that is a meme forever. <laughs> um the key is to not fall. There you go. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> it applies to many things in life. Don't fall. <laughs> so when I'm up there, so everything seems so hyper like fast when you're up there. But I know it's actually a lot or it's slower up there. Okay. Yeah, it feels like slow. So what am I trying to say? Basically, when I get up on the drums, I like, soak it in. I'm like, soak it in. I say, yeah. Just like and, The Rock uh, in the beginning of his theme song, where he puts his arm up and just <laughs> smells what he's cooking, right? You just gotta let it breathe, scream it out, scream it out to everybody. Yeah. And then, and then look around. <laughs> Alright, I'm standing good. Alright, there's my symbol, there's my symbol, and jump. <laughs> there you go. So going well, back yeah, to man. like merch and stuff, we were talking, I mean, you guys pedal your merch perfectly, I think. It's never too like carny huckster stuff. Uh, but one thing that blows my mind that I've recently discovered is that there is merch piracy now. Like we've dealt with music piracy, Napster, but people are fucking stealing t-shirt designs, selling it from China, like AliExpress and Wish. Have you guys had any of that bullshit yet? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Wow. Um, and it, well, what happened? It was somebody. All right, maybe maybe you would recognize this. Did you know about here? Actually, let me. All right, let me get out of one of these so I could set this up. Okay. Stable. Very much better. I like how stable it is. I feel like I just got off of a boat and I'm on dry land again. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. My arm is getting a little tired. I'm like, oh, I should have had this up. Um, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? Piracy. Piracy. Um, all right, that'll do. That'll Perfect. Do. I'm kneeling. So. Amen. At the altar of <laughs> Slasher's podcast, right? Yes. Okay, so story is, you know, our old, our old t-shirt design, Saturday Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. It's a girl. Okay, so somebody took just the art and printed it and just wrote zombies on the bottom. And What? And we didn't know about it till a buddy of ours found it at a gas station what? in America. He bought it and showed us because he thought it was, it was silly. But like, what indeed? How crazy. <laughs> like, what Come on. <laughs> it, it blows my mind. Because like, you know, you think back, like I see Elvis in the background, like explaining music pirates to Elvis. I mean, they used to like wax press vinyl steel music then. And it's like, there's always going to be a way to get like the product free, which has to hurt your soul. Like that's your commodity, right? Like that is your essence. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bogus. But the flip side is somebody liked our design enough to steal it. So that is a good point. That's go. valid. <laughs> Good taste, all right. Yeah, so I noticed back in the day I had read some articles, you know, as far as you talking about your love of horror, uh, and you had mentioned kind of maybe getting a little bit of that from your brothers, but reading between the lines, it seems like you're a monster movie guy, am I right? My my favorite type of uh, monster movie is a horror comedy. Yes. I like, a, I like a good laugh. So my tippity top is Army of Darts. We just love, covered love that. It. Great show. Great movie. Yeah, Bruce Campbell rules. Like anything that guy touches, 
I, I assume you've seen like, Bubba Hotep, right? I have seen I man, I've seen that a while ago. But yeah, he he was Elvis. <laughs> exactly. So good. That's like all the things that you love combined, right? Yeah. But the most recent thing besides Army of Darkness was uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Ooh. Yeah, great show. Dude, have you? Yeah, people have been like unfairly shitting on that show. And I'm like, with the budget that it had, the fact that it exists at all is a fucking gift. <laughs> Excuse me, shitting on Ash vs. Evil Dead. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So in terms of just the media you consume in your daily life, is there anything that you think you draw inspiration from, aside obviously from The Rock, in your musicianship? Hmm. Well, let's see. All, always Big D, aka Danzig. There you Misfit go. Sam Danzig. My holy <laughs> trinity, else? I'll say. Yeah. Yes. Um. Rob Zombie's always good, aka also White Zombie. Type of negative. AFI. Michael I was gonna Mahone, say your brother looks like Peter uh, Steele. People say that all the time. I assume. Only when he got his hair really long. Gotcha. Yeah. Got, the longest it got was. Uh, was the darkest who I am slash stripped into dust. Yeah, that was the longest he got. And so like we filmed it and he's like, okay, we got it on camera. Now chop it off. <laughs> chop it off, dude. <laughs> Good for him. Because like you said, it's fucking hot here. He's so. nuts. <laughs> I had long black hair for a short time. And then thank God Davey Havoc did the December Underground and cut half of it off. And I'm like, oh, I can do that too. And then like three days later, I was like, you know what? Let's just fucking do the whole thing. But yeah. <laughs> How long did you have it? Shoulder length. You know, because I had been in like uh, little bullshit metal bands and stuff at the time. And, uh, you know, I was trying to be more metal. And it was like, I just looked, you know, there, have you ever read the comic, uh, Nothing Nice to Say? No. There's an old great one where it's two guys in a car and it's like, hey, you know, the lead singer of AFI is pretty hot for a goth chick. And I was like, I was that same goth chick. I had the long hair and the painted nails. And then I just completely sold out. It was bullshit. But my hair was so hot. I was like, how do people look good doing this? I'm just like sweating and like it'd be puffy and ugh. I, I think the key is when you when you go out, it's kind of like having a, yeah, a t-shirt, which could be a man bun or you just tie it out. There you go. Um, and then if you're going out to dress to impress, you got your college shirt, your leather jacket, boom, bring the hair down. There you, you go. What he does. Bob, back to Bobby. Um, so he cut it off and then he had a pump for a while. Now it's now it's back down. So oh, yeah. getting back to the typo negative. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you had mentioned your love of Danzig and everything. Uh, did you ever think in your lifetime you'd see him share a stage with Jerry Only again? Uh, did I? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, he'd be, he'd be a fool. Danzig, since you, yeah, I'm speaking right to Danzig. Danzig, you're watching this, you're listening to this. He's a diehard you, fan. Yes, you'd be <laughs> a fool. Not to just keep doing that. Just yeah. do that. <laughs> well, I guess I'll tell you, when he did the Misfit sets with Doyle, I never missed a single one in California. And it was just like, the uh, the turnout was amazing. I remember seeing the Gibson Amphitheater. I mean, like the walls were fucking sweating and it was this huge palatial venue because that's how many people were pressed in there to see. And it's like, why would you not? Unless you're Morris. Morrissey's the one guy who gets like an out for never re-forming like, the Smiths because it's just, it's prissy Morrissey. And if he wasn't that way, it wouldn't be true to his character. But with Danzig and the way he's marketed himself, it would be so disingenuous not to make that money, right? <laughs> well, like, oh, man, like, just do a fucking stadium tour. And if, if they have it in them to do another Misfits album or Danzig singing, all right. But don't force it. 
We'll just do the tours. <laughs> do you have any idea how much money I would straight up pay to have famous monsters re-recorded by Danzig? Especially now that Michael Graves is a proud boy and I can't deal with that anymore? <sighs> well, who wrote that? Oh, Michael probably wrote that. It's my understanding that it was Dr. Chud and Jerry who wrote all of the music. And I don't think that Michael oh. wrote his own lyrics from what I understand, which one of the conflicts they had when he left and then came back. But I might be wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Danzig all the way, baby. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. See, so here's a funny thing. All right, we'll talk about this. So here's yes. a funny thing. Um, so people would compare us to the Misfits. And we're, we're taking... We're just taking a syringe from Danzig's Misfits. Like, we're just going to rip this off. But I think when I think a good portion, maybe 40% of the people think that we're ripping off the Michael Misfits. But no, yeah. maybe here or there. Famous Monsters, yeah, it was really good. It's a good killer record. But it was, yeah, but it was, it was that's always the freaking Danzig. Danzig all the way. But oh well, <laughs> perceptions, am I right? Yeah, well, like what I've talked about with your band is. You know, it's a, a spritz of like your Mad Sin or your Tiger Army, and it's AFI if they had continued being Danzig-esque. Because I think that your your song construction and everything is great, your, your anthemic vocals. But then what I, it kind of goes back to the not being hokey is you're never like too derivative either, where I'm not like, oh, shit, I've seen Nick 13 do this. It, it's never just that. It's always like, this is uniquely Calabrese that happens to also fill these boxes if I'm not being too gracious and trying to gargle your nuts in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Thank, no, that's... It's, um, yeah, uh, we love Tiger Army, AFI and stuff like that. So it's really great to hear that. And so yeah. you started off with an EP. And I think that the extended play is, it pissed me off that it's not more popular now. Because now you have like singles, I guess, through Spotify and all that bullshit. But do you think that the EP is like a lost art? Like making a miniature album, all hollows, or in your case, the Midnight Spooky, or Spooky Show, sorry. <laughs> Spook Show. I'm screwing it up. <laughs> My friend, so funny you should mention that. For a couple of years now, Bobby's like, let's just fuck, let's do an EP, let's do it, let's do it. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know, you know, why can't we just, you know, if we're going to do five songs, why don't we just do five more and then we got an album? But uh, I think, actually, I think EPs are becoming more prevalent in the digital age. So, like, it's better to have, like... <laughs> For instance, it'll take a little bit longer and more money to record an album than it would be he, so you could get it sooner. So where's you know, one of these? Um, so there you go. So to bring it up to a point, there's a good chance the next musical item will be in that. Yeah, that makes me happy. A little, little mini album. Yeah. Because it's always sad when you take the single and it's just part of the CD. Because it's like, well, then I'm not going to buy that. I'm just going to buy the CD. But like, you know, you have that, you know, the small version. It's just, do you like horror shorts at all? Like short movies, like 10, 15 minute horror movies? Uh, well, yeah. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> yeah, perfect, right? Because you can get it, you get in, get out, and just over with versus dedicating like two hours. Because like, let me tell you, if I watch a 10 minute short and it's not that great, I'm not going to be pissed. If I watch an hour and a half movie and it's not good, dude, I'm looking for full swing on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. So <laughs> what I'm watching right now at this moment. Okay. Why have you seen New Girl? No, I have not. Oh, the the Zoe Deschanel show? 
Yeah. My I wife watches that. I've I've watched like two or three episodes. I like the guy who is very effeminate but is distinctly not gay because it makes me very happy because I love to watch people talk about him when they're like, um, you know, the uh it's awesome just to see them try and navigate political correctness around a guy who's just a person. Yeah. Um Schmidt, I think you're referring to. There we I, go. I have to love Schmidt. Great character. Schmidt, get out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And rhyming with Schmidt is shit like Shit's Creek. David Rose, have you seen this character? Okay, all right. So <laughs> the show before I watched New Girl, like heavily watched, was um oh god. Oh god. The Good Place. Have you seen that? Oh, magnificent show. Okay, so you know what I'm like, I'm like, I love this. I just watched it really quick. I'm like, I want something like this. So then I found my way to Shit's Creek. I wasn't wild, my guy. I was not wild. What? I tried it. I know. I gave it like they gave it like four to five episodes. I gave it a chance. Really? Yeah, I just it wasn't giving me wasn't giving me lulls. I wasn't laughing out loud. Okay, I think that's fair. It's yeah. very much the style of the, you know, the typical Eugene Levy where it's like, this is kind of your heady, best in show humor. It's not your overt kind of like yuck yucks. But what's so funny, I mean, because you're in showbiz and I live in California. I have met these people so many times to be able to laugh at them is so fun because these like the pompous hoity toity people being brought down. I'm like, yes, now you're poor too. It's like I was. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Looks like, no, nah, looks like you're doing pretty good, my guy. Look at that room. Oh, yeah, I guess this is my, uh, I, I'm the guy who constantly talks about how much he doesn't like Star Wars, and yet I have a Star Wars print. This is my first appearance of Bullseye and Daredevil, which was a gift from my wedding. Um, and so this is my real business where I work in a law office, and uh, it's great because I never have to have clients here, so I can be a man-child. Like, one day I, too, <laughs> shall have a Megazord here, and I will name it uh, Bobby, Davey, and Jimmy. This will be sitting here. And they'll watch me work as I whittle away what my remaining years I have left on a keyboard. <laughs> well, hey, oh, you're meta, meta world, meta. Ooh, I like this. Hey, this podcast could take off. I'd be happy you with that. Get, if I could get a 401k get out of this motherfucker, I'd be sad, dog. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess kind of one last thing. I, I said I'd keep you 20 minutes or less, and I've already lied to you. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Uh, I saw recently, are you teaching your daughter to play the drums? Is that what I'm seeing? Is that the coolest thing in the world? <laughs> You're referring to uh, my nephew, Henry. Oh, no. <laughs> I, am I, do have, I do have nieces, though. Okay. Uh, so I have two nieces. Whoops. Those are Jim's kids. And then I have a nephew, which is my sister's kid. And he, you know, he just, he just jumped on him. And he was just like, boop, bop, beep, boop, boop, boop. And I went over there and just posed with him. Gotcha. While he was, yeah. <laughs> he just like, he really wanted to, boop. he was doing it, dude. Yeah. No, I didn't even, I didn't even show him how to do it. He was just like, boom, bop, boom, boom, bop, boom. So you can just hand it down like a family business. Like some people are plumbers, some are butchers and some are punk rockers. <laughs> oh, dude. And he loves, um, you'll love this. He loves skeleton. Yes. So there's that. <laughs> He's in. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That's you, like if I'm looking at a resume and I'm the hiring guy for your band, I'm like, yeah, this checks out. You can bink, bop, and boop, and you like skeletons. <laughs> Welcome aboard. That was fun, dude. <laughs> All right. So, in quarantine world, how can my meager audience find and support you and your endeavors uh, since shows really aren't showing at this point? Okay. All right. Let me get on my. Let me think about it. Well, you could find us at Calibri 666 everywhere. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, YouTube. Yes. <laughs> you could buy that merch. Look at that shirt, dude. com. And, ooh, okay, my guy. Actually, here's super meta. So, like, mm, maybe 30 minutes from now, I'm going to tease the next t-shirt drop. Ooh. I'll, I'll show you a little bit because you're here. Okay, okay. I like what I'm seeing. I like this. It's sexy. Ooh, how did you know I've been watching anime for the first time in my 30s? This is exciting. Because <laughs> everybody is. Yeah, right? <laughs> I've run out of American cartoons. They make me sad. The, the Asian ones, I'm like, oh, this is cool. There's a little slime creature that's singing. <laughs> Dude, Cowboy Bebop, have you? Oh, of course. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> I actually just ranted on an episode where uh, I reviewed the All Hollows EP from AFI. How years ago I had seen the Van Helsing AFV, where it was the anime music video for Halloween, their version, not the Misfits version, and how I'm still afraid to watch Van Helsing because I'm just worried it will suck because I've built it up in my mind as this beautiful thing where some fangy toothed vampire blows up zombies with a gun. Have I seen that one? Where's that vampire deep? Vamp- uh, we covered that on the show where his hand talks to him and eats dirt. That's a. Am- I don't understand that at all, but I love it. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good thought process. I don't understand it, but I love it. Exactly. Uh, that's <laughs> one of the things I think uh, sets me apart from a lot. Of- I just love people being enthusiastic about shit. Like you could be talking about whatever, and just so long as you're like passionate about it, I'm into it. And like anime is a great treasure trove for that. Because I had a friend recently talk about One Piece. He's like, you got to watch this show, and I'm like, no. The idea of watching a show that's been around for 20 years gives me legitimate anxiety. And he's like, no, but the guy eats the fruit and his bones turn into jelly. And And I'm like, literally, aside from the word fruit, I have no idea what you just said. But I love how excited you are. Oh, yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. I sincerely appreciate it. I'll make sure to include links to everything that you have in the description. And uh, salutations and good day. (laughs) Bye, dog. And that was my interview with Davey Calabrese of the band Calabrese. If I may be so bold, I'm just going to run down some of the scuff of their discography. Uh, you like probably my favorite consistent album art style. Uh, you know, it's so cool to me how they're so on brand and yet they reinvent themselves. Uh, yeah. Honestly, the biggest thing I want to talk about with my love of Calabrese is the fact that, you know, the band, I have followed them for 15 plus years. I think it's 16 years altogether that I have had, you know, and I have listened to every album as it's come out you know, while it was current. And it is so weird to me that my favorite Calabrese song came out 14 years after I found this band, which is He Who Flees the Light. It blows my mind because like, can you think of a single band that you have ever followed for that long where the most recent stuff is your favorite? Mm, no absolutely not yeah not at all like i love afi i could not i could not even with a straight face tell you that snow cats was anywhere near my top 20 favorite afi songs no offense no, it's yeah. fine but it's just not my favorite and this no, yeah 100 percent yeah. agree and if you have a band that can do that and reinvent themselves without changing who they are and losing a core audience i think you have a good formula there because you can you know, alter shit just enough, or you can start throwing other ingredients into the mix. And, you know, baby, you got a stew going there if you got that. So we try to do that as much as possible, but hell, I don't think we will be as good as Calabrese does it. And one of the things that's great, it seems like you have this, but they have this, is 
people not being pigeonholed into just one type of artistic creation. Yeah. You know, uh, Jimmy went to film school, if I'm not mistaken. And so you look at even fucking Danzig. Danzig did graphic design. You know, he wasn't just a singer. He wasn't just a musician. And you, you see that like very commonly with people. And so if you are an artist of any kind, like there's a reason why people who are seen aesthetic like me gravitate towards all these things. And I love the commonality. You know, people who are heavily involved in the entire construct of the album art and everything else or the music video in your case like that right. sense of cohesion when you get the right audience like you know that the cohesion is intentional and it's not just like oh hey this just kind of worked out so if i may be so bold i would recommend checking out both the cult sounds and the calabrese actually it doesn't it sounds weird if you even try and jokingly say that so just say calabrese yeah it sounds too formal with right. that. you feel like you have to have your leather jacket and a cummerbund so that's weird <laughs> All right, Jordan. Well, this was a hell of a lot of fun. Do you have anything you want to plug or say to the mutant goons from beyond before we let them go? If you want, we got shirts. Please buy them. <laughs> he said, Stickers please, ladies and good. gentlemen, that's as butt fucking yeah. polite as you'll get on this show. <laughs> please go watch the music video. Uh, I didn't sleep a lot while planning that and uh, editing it and outlining all the shots and directing it. So uh, please go watch that fucking thing. It's on YouTube. It's delightful. It deserves uh, about 50,000 more views at this point. So I will make sure that it is as easy for our audience as possible. Check this out. Ready? And boom. If you check the episode description, there it is. I just did magic. That's great. Because <laughs> I, like I know it. that I can say with absolute confidence that nobody read the episode description before listening to this episode because nobody ever fucking does, which is great. I love all the work I do to get the metadata that nobody <laughs> cares about. <laughs> And also, you put that degree to good use, if I'm not mistaken, by making a little uh, filmola. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, yeah. I, I made a number of films while I was at college, but uh, I hate all of them except for one of them, which is a noir-esque adaptation of uh, The Murders in uh, the Room Org by uh, Edgar Allan Poe. I which really started just like- the, the, uh, the genre of detective. It predates Sherlock yeah. Holmes. So I kind of wanted to make it detective-y, but take it to where my context and lens was as far as detective, like visual detective shows or films. And I was like, okay, so I love noir. I really like giallo. So there's little bits of giallo in there. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And then 100% uh, X-Files. Yes. I could easily so say I was that. like, I'm going to fucking cram all this shit into one movie. And I got lucky because I put that out and then sent it to a bunch of festivals and it, it actually played. And I think 25 festivals across the yeah. uh, country and it won, it won best picture at planet city comic con. And then I think it won a couple of other ones, but it, you know, it was just cool. I, I, I love making movies. So that it helped that I haven't directed anything since then. So um, I've got a short film in production right now um, as well. But then, um, you know, the music video was fun to do. Yeah. So, well, then check this out, Rudy. And uh, magic, just like that, we also have the link to Jordan's film in the description. You can watch that for free. Isn't that crazy? But uh, there's a mobile game I wanted to cite that I have a visual cue with your film. It's called Gemini oh, Rue. Really? Um, I really thought that it was, they, they look alike and I like that. So I like that game. I like your Rue. film. Okay, I need to look up Gemini Rue. I'm not familiar with that. I don't get any kind of cut from that, so you don't actually have to check it out because I won't benefit personally, and I'm very <laughs> selfish. I will check it out anyway just because you said that it looks similar, so I'm like, okay, I want to see this. There you go. 
All right, bud. Well, this was a lot of fun. Stay tuned because Jordan will be back with our episode. Why RoboCop is a horror film. So for Jordan, I'm sure while we're doing that, we're going to find other episodes that we're going to have to do. So whatever. Fuck it. We'll just do more. Just like maybe Knight Riders, you know, the movie where Ed Harris is in a where they're like they're knights that ride motorcycles. Just throwing it out there. Tom Savini. Anybody? Okay. I forgot that movie existed for good reason. But also you'll be back for that, too. But for Jordan, my name is Jake saying goodbye and good die.